After Pastor Corey's powerful message last week, if you didn't listen to that, you need to go online and hear that message. We're in a brand new series starting the new year called Life Goals. And if you would go on and listen to his message, his message on a lifestyle of worship, our number one goal, because that message is so important for the rest of this message. I had no idea when I named or titled this message, and I've shared with you before, titling messages is often the most challenging part of getting ready for a Sunday morning message that I have, because I know it needs to communicate to people in the community and folks that, for whatever the reason, might be looking for something to listen to online. And after I named the message and after all that had transpired this week, I kept thinking about how Christ has called us to success. He's called us not to fear failure, and He's also not called us to fail, but He's called us to succeed. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote one time in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, simply run to win, run to win. One of my early mentors through his books, and if you remember cassette tapes, through his cassette tapes and his radio program, was Zig Ziglar. I came to know some of Zig's family and became friends with them, and we would worship together, and they supplied me with books and tapes, and all of a sudden I found myself drinking at a fountain of common sense leadership and found out this man was a national phenomenon of his speaking and his leadership. But I will never forget something he said when I was a young man, he said more than 90% of what we put into our minds on a daily basis is of a negative nature. More than 90% of what we put into our mind. Now, friends, that was back in the 80s when I heard Zig Ziglar say that. He had a little acronym that I liked, fear is false evidence appearing real. The United States is not falling apart, and the church is not falling apart. The foundations are being attacked, and the foundations are being shook, and I would never somehow or another make the United States and the church as one, but this republic is strong, and this republic will stand until God decides that He is, he is done with it. But the salt and the light that the church has been called to be, not only in the United States, but in Mexico or Colombia or Belgium or China or anywhere else in the world, the church is built upon a solid foundation that the gates of hell will never, never prevail against. And it's time you and I began feeding ourselves more on what God says than on what the world is saying. I recently have just been calling people and talking to people. If I haven't called you yet, I'll probably send you a text message or something and ask you, compared to the news, how often are you reading your Bible? Compared to the news, how often are you using the time that you have available to you to either read social media, scan Twitter, scan Facebook, watch television, social media binge, or binge on Netflix or whatever else is out there? How much time are you spending in the Word of the Lord? Because I can promise you only the Word of God will be me to your soul. I can promise you only the Word of God will be living water to the parched dryness. I can promise you that the only the Word of God will bring healing to your life. Now more than ever, we need a revival in the church of people who love their Bibles. And as Charles Spurgeon once said, if your Bible is falling apart, you probably aren't. 
If your Bible is coming to pieces, you're probably not coming to pieces. But if your Bible is stiff, you're probably stiff. If your Bible is neglected, then there's a part of your life that is probably neglected this morning. And so I want to encourage us as we go through talking about life goals, number one, know your destination. Know where you're going. Know where you're headed. Everybody's heard what the Cheshire cat said to Alice when she asked, which way should I go because of all of the confusing signs here, there, yonder, wherever. And the cat says, if you don't know where you're going, it really doesn't matter. And it's important that we know our destination. Billy Graham once told the story of Albert Einstein being on a train. And when the conductor came through to collect the tickets, Einstein looked in his breast pocket of his jacket and he couldn't find his ticket. So he looked in his pockets of his pants, he couldn't find his ticket. He opened his, his uh, briefcase, I almost said computer bag. He opened his briefcase and he couldn't find his ticket. And so finally the conductor looked at him and said, sir, I know who you are. You're Dr. Albert Einstein. I'm confident that you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. And so the conductor kept collecting tickets, and he turned around to walk back through the car, and he found Dr. Einstein on his knees looking under the seats for his ticket. And he went to him, and he said, Dr. Einstein, it's okay. We trust you. We know you bought a ticket. And Einstein looked at him and says, sir, I thank you for your trust, but I have no idea where I'm going. I have found myself in that predicament many times. I've gotten onto a plane only because my secretary put an envelope in my hand and said, you have to be at the airport at this time and open it up only to discover where I'm going or to wake up in the city and not know where I was at anymore. Those that have been road warriors, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, look carefully at this with me if you would. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And beloved, there is so much today that we are looking at. It will soon be gone. But the things that we are building our trust upon, our hope upon, the things that we have banked our eternity upon, they will last forever. Another product that I have of getting older is looking back, and Becky and I have talking about some of the things that we pursued in life. If we had it to do all over again, we would not have pursued them. Some of the things that we spent so much time on, we would have not spent so much time upon that. Some of the older men in our church would come to me from time to time as a young father here at Woodland, and they say, Pastor, you're spending too much time at the church. Your children will be grown. They will be gone before you know it. Spend more time with your family. And now I find myself repeating those same words to the young men of our church and the young dads of our church. Spend more time. Don't pursue another dollar because the things you see today will soon be gone. And when your children live a thousand miles away from you and you don't see them as often as you would like to, you're grateful for Facebook, you're grateful for FaceTime or Skype or something new if you haven't tried it called, well, I can't remember how to say it. It's a confusing name, but it's the best one I've tried yet to talk with my grandsons upon. 
But when you see the age we live in, you realize it's lives that last. It's eternity that matters. It's Jesus, Jesus that matters. Well, Billy Graham continued in the story about Dr. Einstein that he was wearing, and he says, do you see this suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. I bought it for this occasion. He said, my family has been teasing me since I've gotten older that I'm getting rather slovenly in my appearance. And so I went out and I bought a suit, but I determined I would only wear this suit today to speak to you, and I will wear this suit when I am buried. Because I want you to know that when you no longer see Billy Graham, Billy Graham not only has a ticket paid for by Jesus Christ, but Billy Graham knows where he's going, that God has made a place for him in heaven. It's important. Do you know your destination? And there's only one of two eternal destinations, and it's heaven or hell. And friends, our faith is more vital today than ever before. And when I say vital, I need you to understand this morning, I'm not saying it's important. I'm not saying it's something you need to add to your life. I'm not saying it's something you could just take for granted. Your faith is vital. We take vital signs because vital signs are indicative whether we're going to live or not. If one of your vital signs are off, your doctors are concerned, they put you in the hospital right away. And one of the things that you need to know, especially if you do not know Jesus Christ this morning, if you're worried or concerned about the times that we're living in, God loves you. It's why we took communion. It's, we don't worship the cross, but it's why I point to the cross so often, because Jesus' cross is the answer to our sins. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have an everlasting life. Don't let anyone kid you. God loves you, but God will not leave you like you are. God will give you a brand new start. And this morning as I'm talking to some of you as Christians and we talk about running to win, maybe you thought, well, I've run to win when before and I failed, or maybe you've tried something before and you failed. How many of us have not failed? I don't know of anyone that has ever succeeded at everything they've ever done. God gives us a fresh start if we repent. I don't ask you to make resolutions every year, but I do ask you to set goals for your life. Last year, I set nine very ambitious goals for my life. I mean very big, very large goals for my life. And I have to tell you, I didn't accomplish all of those goals, but I accomplished six of those goals, and they were big, they were large. I shared them with our board, I shared them with our staff, I asked them to keep me accountable to those goals, and I accomplished six of them. Am I disappointed I didn't accomplish the other three? Yes and no, because when I set those goals, I had no idea what 2020 would be. But I'm telling you, I know the last year was difficult, but God is bigger and greater than all of our difficulties, and if you can stand the pulling, God will always pull you through. Can somebody give him a hand of praise this morning? You say, Pastor, what do I do if I've messed up? Well, let's look at the wisdom the Bible gives us again. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. 
It's important that we repent of our sins. It's important that if we failed and we haven't sinned, still bring that broken heart, still bring that disappointment. Maybe you had a loved one that died this last year. Maybe you had a business venture that failed this last year. Maybe you were hoping to buy a home and it didn't, it didn't come together the way you were hoping it would. Maybe you lost your job, but bring your broken pieces to God. Here are three things I want you to learn from this verse. Number one, learn from the past. Don't waste that experience, but learn from the mistakes of your past. Learn from the failures. Learn from the disappointments. How did you feel going through those things? What did your journal tell you as you went through those things? But go back and ask God to give you wisdom as you study that and learn from your past. Secondly, live forgiven, but also live wiser. If you sinned, don't beat yourself up over your sins. Confess your sins to the Lord. He will forgive you. He will give you a fresh start. If you're being beat up over your past, it's not God beating you up. It's either the devil, and you don't have to take it from him. It's either other people, and you don't have to take it from them. Or you're beating yourself up this morning, and you need to recognize the truth of the gospel, that when Christ forgives you of your sins, you are forgiven, period. That's it. And you have a brand new start. And the third thing I'd say is get back on the journey. Get back on the journey to your destination, and you don't want to go to heaven alone. You want to reach as many people for Jesus as possible. The second reason that I think faith is so vital is because faith changes reality. Faith changes reality. When you're faced with a difficult situation or impossible situation, you can either let the situation define you or you can let your faith define the situation. Faith doesn't deny the reality of the situation. Jesus saw that the crowd was hungry. Jesus saw that the people needed food. Jesus saw that the people couldn't make it back to the villages where they had come from unless they had something to eat. So he said to his disciples, we're going to feed them. And one of the disciples said, Lord, how can we feed them? There's so many. And Jesus Jesus told them, you go and find something. And so finally, one disciple came to Jesus, and all he had was a little boy's lunch. And the reality is, a little boy's lunch is not going very far among thousands of people. But the reality also is, when you put little into God's hands, it becomes more than enough. And what was gathered up was 12 baskets full. I'm telling you, the days of miracles are not over. Our God is still on the throne. Faith will define our reality. Let you and I grow our faith in Christ this year. Look at Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the assurance. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. I've explained this before, what the Amplified does. It kind of helps you to understand the meaning of the Greek or the Hebrew words you're using. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. The title deed. If you've not paid for your house yet, you're looking forward to the day you pay your house off. In seven more years, everything we own at Woodland will be completely paid off and we will be debt free. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? I'm proclaiming seven years is going to be our Jubilee year. God is doing such great things for our congregation. Now, faith is the assurance of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see. In other words, you change reality with your faith. We do not see, and the conviction of the reality, what we don't see, the conviction that God wants to do that in our lives, faith perceiving is a real fact, is what is not revealed to the senses. 
I'm asking you to go home and meditate on this verse. It may not be in your outline, but it is on the church app and it is on the church website, so hang on to it. Number two, goals prayerfully made are visionary. Goals prayerfully made are visionary. I have been looking at all of the five areas of my life that I've talked to you about before, and I, you can define yours differently, but the five areas of my life I define as a pastor, I define as a partner, there are five Ps, a pastor, excuse me, a person, a partner, I'm Becky's husband, a parent, I'm my kid's dad and my grandkid's grandfather, my role as a pastor, and then my role as a pilgrim, five Ps. And so that's like five glasses. Those are like five glasses that I carry in my life. And it's not that I try to balance those areas, you know, because, you know, if I walk around with five glasses of water, I'm going to spill it. There's a reason I never had a job as a waiter in a restaurant. But I'm going to spill them. But what I do is I bring my whole life as one unit to the Lord, and I say, God, the best I've been able to discern prayerfully before you, this is how I divide my life. And I ask God to help me set goals that are visionary. You see, I have a problem with most goal-setting teaching, and I've listened to a lot of goal-setting teaching. I've been to a lot of goal-setting conferences through the years, and I have a real problem with most all of them. And the problem is this, most of them are presumptive. Most of them just tell you to set a goal and to aim for something. Friends, we have goals, but there are goals that have been prayerfully made. We have goals, but there are goals that we have said, what does the Bible say about these goals? In all five of those areas of mine and Becky's life, we have goals in all five of those areas, but they are well informed by the Bible. We pray in the Spirit, and we pray with our understanding about all five areas of those goals. And we ask God to help us to know where He wants us to go, because we don't believe God ever calls us to go back and retreat, but He calls us to move forward. And today, I want to tell you, last year was a different year. We set our goals prayerfully, but so many of our goals had to go out the window because of the coronavirus pandemic. So I want you to hang on with me. I'm going to address maybe some of your concerns. How can I set faith goals? How can I do this when we don't know how this time is going to turn out? Visionaries, visionaries sometimes mistake themselves to be futurist. We are not called to be futurists. That's people who predict trends. We are called to be visionaries. You and I don't know what tomorrow will hold, but we know who holds tomorrow. Do you get the difference? And our vision is set upon what God says in His Word, seeing that become reality. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Who could have ever, ever dreamed when the social media, when email began to start in the late 80s, who could have ever dreamed the hellaciousness that hell would vomit upon our nation through the Internet? We would have never dreamed that pornography would be available on your phones. We would have never dreamed of the hateful and divisive things. We would have never dreamed that China and Russia and other hackers could have their way in perpetrating false narratives in our news stories. We would have never dreamed that people from churches would divide over what was being said on Facebook or a Twitter. We never had those things in our imagination. And I'm not against those things, but I'm telling you, we have have to be people who are visionary. What does the Bible say about how we use these tools? Sometimes people will ask me this question, Pastor, why do you call your office in a study instead of an office? 
And the reason I call my, my, I don't call it an office and I call it a study is because when I'm in my study, I am on my knees, I am on my face, I am in the Word of God. I'm praying as I work through the Scriptures, as I study and pray, what does God want to say? When you come to see me, you're not going to your doctor's office. When you come to see me, you're not going to your accountant's office. When you come to see me, you're not going to lie on a sofa in your therapist's office, but you're coming to a place, as one woman said to me, if you're going to talk to me from the Bible, then I don't want you to talk to me. And I said, well, then you need to leave because that's the only thing I know how to do. This is a place where you and I will meet with God and we will meet around God's Word. And she repented and her marriage was saved and God is doing great things in their life. The reason it's not an office, because an office somehow or another protects, pretends that man is directing his course, but a study says we are studying the Word of God because we believe God holds tomorrow, and God will communicate His plans and make them clear to us, if only we will humble ourselves before Him and seek His face and turn from our evil ways. So it's important that we prayerfully set our goals. Look at Proverbs 16 and verse 1. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Now, folks, I believe that. I remember the first time I really, that leapt off the pages of me. I was a student in Bible college. For two weeks, I had been fasting. I knelt beside an old Naugahyde chair in my, in my room where my brother-in-law Gary and I were roommates together. And I knelt beside an old Naugahyde chair in that room and just said, Lord, I don't know what the future holds, but as much as I know how, I'm committing everything to you each and every single day. And I can tell you almost 50 years later, God has been true to His Word. Let me look, show you a few things here. Number one, God will guide your thoughtful, prayerful thinking. God will guide your thoughtful, prayerful, and faithful thinking. If you will stay with His Word, God will guide you. Don't be afraid that you're going to make a mistake. Just simply go. Seek counsel from your small group leader. Seek counsel from one of our pastors. Seek counsel from trusted Christian friends. Number two, God will show you your real motives. God will show you your true motives. That word pure comes from a Hebrew word that you pronounce zak. Say that with me, zak. So the next time you greet a man in our congregation named zak, I want you to remember this. It means pure. God will examine your motives, and He will reveal to you, are your motives self-centered? Are your motives about yourself? Are your motives to bring attention to yourself? Or do you want to bring glory to God? Number two, I would say this year set a mixture of habit and achievement goals. Set a mixture of habit and achievement goals. Let me tell you what I mean by those. Some of you don't have a regular time of Bible study, even though when you became a member of Woodland Church, you signed a covenant that not only would you be in the Word, but you would be a person of prayer. So why don't you just set a very low bar to get started? Why don't you set a very low bar when your mind is fresh in the morning, you're going to get up and you're going to read the Word for at least five minutes, and you're going to pray for at least five minutes. And you say, Pastor, I don't know what to pray for for five minutes. I 
can't believe how often I hear that. Remember these five Ps. Pray for yourself as a person. If you're married, pray for your wife or your husband. If you're a parent, pray for your children. You shouldn't let your children start the day without your prayers being heard for them. You know, whatever your career is, I'm a pastor, so a P won't work for you there. But pray for whatever your career is. And as a pilgrim, pray for one of your lost friends or somewhere where you volunteer and serve in our community. It's simple. I will be blogging about that this week. And by achievement goals, what are some things that you feel like God wants you to accomplish this year? Maybe you need to start becoming a tither. Maybe you need to understand January is the first fruits of this year. And beginning by tithing, you say, Pastor, I can't, I can't tithe. I hear that all the time. You can't afford not to tithe. But if your faith isn't big enough to start with 10%, start with 5%. Start somewhere and set a habit that you're going to be a regular giver. Set an achievement goal that before the end of this year is up, I want to be a tithe. If you're not supporting missions, if you're not giving to missions, last year we accomplished more missions than we've done in a long time, and I'm so proud of you for that during the 2020 crisis. But start an achievement goal. I want to be a regular giver to missions. If you're not having family devotions, set that as an achievement goal. If you're looking for a raise, don't say, I can't earn more money. Find a way, somehow or another, find a way. Instead of binge watching Netflix, learn a new trade, learn a new career, finish a college course, but set some achievement goals for yourself. But remember, your faith will change reality. God will give you success. I want you to say that with me. Put it on the screen. God will give you success. Now make it personal. God will give me success. Say it again. God will give me success. One of our bankers called me, who's moved to another bank, and he said, would you have lunch with me? And so we went to lunch together, and we talked and he said, I don't want to talk about banking. But he said, I've heard online and I've heard other people talk about what happened in your life. Tell me that story. And so over lunch, I just simply told him my story. I showed him some pictures of diagrams and x-rays. And he began to weep. And he says, I want that same thing. I want to know God like that. I want to experience the power of God in my family's life. Friends, hear me this morning. If you want to be a bold witness for Christ, God will use you. But you've got to be willing to step out of your comfort zone into your discomfort zone to share your faith. And if your goals don't make you uncomfortable, they are not visionary. If your goals don't make you uncomfortable, they're not prayerful. If your goals don't make you uncomfortable, you're not going to move ahead. Your goals actually need to frighten you a little bit. If God told me to cross the Red Sea, I would be scared spitless. If God told me to feed 5,000 people with a boy's little lunch, I would be scared to death. But when I know that Jesus Christ is living in me, there is nothing impossible to those who believe the Lord this morning. Can we give him another hand of praise today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, look carefully how you walk. Live purposefully, worthily, accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Make the most of, it, of your time. Buy up each opportunity because the days are evil. And then thirdly, adjust your gaze for your health. Adjust your gaze for your health. This is a different time of life. I have never nor any of the pastors I've ever talked to been prepared for 
the time of life that we're living in right now. I told you earlier that I only accomplished six of the nine goals. My preaching calendar went out the window last year. Our departmental calendars, for the most part, went out the window last year. So many things changed last year. I would have never dreamed that I would be preaching to a camera only on Easter Sunday morning here at Woodland. I would have never dreamed that we would have cameras up in the back and we would be on television, right? Or excuse me, on social media and the, all the changes we've had to make this year. There are things and trips that Becky and I had planned and places that we were going, events that we wanted to do with our children that all just had to be canceled. There were airline tickets that were canceled. There were reservations that were canceled. 2020 changed everything. This year, as I prayerfully began to study, this verse of Scripture stood out to me. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Would you read that last sentence with me? Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. You see, what has happened is a year has become a quarter. A quarter has become a month. A month has become a week. A week has become a day. And a day has become one step in front of the other. That's how we've had to live in 2020. The families that I've buried their loved ones, the families that have been sick, the families that we have fought through challenges with, and yet we have been immensely blessed, and for the most part, our church has been protected. We are learning what I simply call pandemic time management. Pandemic time management. And the fact of the matter is, we don't have any muscle memory for it. You know, when I play golf, there's a certain amount of muscle memory that takes over. When I brush my teeth, there's muscle memory that takes over. When I comb my hair, there's muscle memory. I can shave without ever looking in the mirror because there's muscle memory. There's muscle memory for the musicians, for the percussionists. There's muscle memory for you. And I hope that we never learn muscle memory for this pandemic time. But the reason it's awkward is because we don't have that sort of muscle memory built into the seasons of life that we normally experience. Today, it's necessary to do daily planning. I have all of my prayer for goals laid out. I have them on my computer. They come up. I have them in, right in front of me where I look at them. I look at them every single day. That's a habit I have. I just look at them every single day. They help me keep my eyes fixed. But now my planning looks more and more day to day because of what has happened. And the reason I say that is because people have also twisted Jesus' words where he said, take no thought for tomorrow. The book of Proverbs is clear that we should plan. But if I've ever understood the import of what Jesus is saying, take no thought of tomorrow, I understand it now. Because I get phone calls nearly every day with someone going through an urgent crisis during this time management. I mean, during this pandemic. And yet, almost every, not every day, but almost every single day, I get calls like I got from one of the men in our church this week. The doctors found a blood clot in him that reached from his groin to his ankle, and I have his permission to share this reached from his groin to his ankle. He just got out of the hospital for blood clots. 
He asked his doctor, have you ever seen a blood clot this big? And his doctor looked at him and said, only in autopsies. He says, that's where we've seen these kind of blood clots. He says, you're lucky to be alive. You're lucky you didn't die in your sleep. And he replies, no, I am blessed. And I'm here to tell you this morning, they were able to successfully remove that blood clot from his leg, and he joined us. He's worshiping with us, and I think we ought to give the Lord a huge praise offering this morning for one of the men from our congregation. You see, faith changes reality. You don't have to die before your time. We will all die one day unless Jesus returns first. But set some long-range goals, but be willing to do them daily. And next week, we'll talk more about that. But let me just give you some growth work. Number one, my prayer is I want to be the kind of person that people give God thanks for. I want to be the kind of person. I want us to be the kind of church that people give God thanks for in our community. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I want to be the kind of man that when I'm dead, my neighbors miss me. I want to be the kind of man that you will miss me, that my children will miss me, my wife will miss me. I don't want them to make me better than what I was. I just want to be the kind of person they're grateful that I lived. I want you to be the kind of person that people are grateful that you lived. I miss going to Baldos. I never had to place an order in Baldos. They knew what I wanted when I walked in. They knew the kind of soup. They knew what I was going to have for Sunday lunch. If you have any doubt about that, you don't know me very well. I miss so much. But it's nice to be missed as well. Does that make sense? Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Do people think of you that way? Do people remember you that way? I'm looking at some of you who are widows in our church. I miss your wives. I miss your husbands. And sometimes you don't know this, but I've driven distances to go stand at their grave and just give God thanks for their life and how they changed me. Number two, I want to overflow more and more each day with love. I don't love as much as I should yet. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to love people like I love myself. I want to love Becky the way Christ has loved me. Last night in prayer service, there was a verse of Scripture that had stood out to me in preparing for our prayer time. And, you know, I, we pray for that just like we pray and prepare for these services. In Ephesians chapter 5, the scripture says, when he's telling why husbands how to care for their wives, he says, just as Christ cares for and feeds his own church. Wow. That's why I believe in divine healing, because Christ cares for me. Christ feeds me. Christ restores and makes us whole. Can you say amen? I pray that your love will overflow more and more. You say, Pastor, how does that happen? By faith and repentance. That's what we do here. We repent of our sins every single day. We go to people and we tell them we're sorry. Number three, I want to grow in knowledge and understanding. I want to apply myself to learning. 
In Philippians chapter verse chapter one and verse nine, you will keep on that you, not only will your love grow, but that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. Circle that in your outline. What really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So this morning, I'm asking you to trust God's will as you pray. Trust God's will. Will it scare you? Yes. When you pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's a scary prayer to pray. However, there's no safer place to be than to be in God's will. He makes the desert to blossom. He makes spring spring up in dry places. He makes the crooked way straight. He brings the mountains down low. He exalts the valleys. He parts the seas. With our God in his kingdom, there may be suffering, but there's always victory. And secondly, you got to have a compass. And I pray this year the Bible will be your compass. Our son took us out with night vision stuff that he has. I've never had such an experience. We stood and I saw more constellations and stars, blindingly so, looking up in the heavens. And all of a sudden I heard my boys laughing as I stretched out on a bench and I gazed up in the heavens and I began to quote scripture. Oh, friends. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. And if the ancients had to plot their way with only the stars in the heaven, how much better do you and I have it with God's Word in our heart and King Jesus living in our lives by His Holy Spirit? Can you say amen? Stand with me and let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we come to the throne of grace boldly. We come to him who gives us the faith and the hope to have a vision, even in the midst of a pandemic. We pray a hedge of protection over your people, but we pray for divine covering of grace as well. But we pray also for a heavy dose of common sense that we will continue to be diligent about the things we know we must do. We also come to you this morning and we pray that, Lord, you will convict us. If somehow or another we've let pandemic time management keep us from running to win. You have not called us to defeat. You have not called us to failure. And if we stumble, Lord, you pick us up and put us back on the path we should go. Now to him who is able to keep us, now to him who is able to strengthen us, now to him who belongs all glory and praise, I ask you to bless and keep and watch over your people and your church this week. For it's in Christ Jesus' name I pray, amen. For those of you watching online, let me just talk to you for just a moment. I know most everyone in this room, and I'm confident they know their destination. Can you say what Billy Graham said to those people? Can you say that when I'm dead, I know where I'll be? And can your family say this morning, they also know where you'll be? 
Maybe this morning during this message, you felt like a loser. I'm telling you, when Christ forgives your sins and he comes into your life, Christ makes you a winner. Not as the world looks at winning, but Christ will make you, as the Bible says, listen to this, more than an overcomer. And better than that, God adopts you as his child. So if you haven't given your heart to Christ yet, would you just close your eyes and pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died for my sins personally. And today, as much as I know how, I place my faith in you. I'm tired of being a loser. I want to be what you created me to be, your son, your daughter. So as much as I know how, I give my heart and life to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. And if you'll send me an email to the address that's on the screen, tomorrow morning, first thing, I'll be sending you a letter and a gift to help you get started with your walk with Christ. Nobody's going to ask you for any money. Nobody's going to put you on a mailing list unless you request it. We just want to help you get started with your new life in Christ. God bless you. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you. Have a great Sunday afternoon.